This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. Hey, you you want to hear something ridiculous? The um, definition the definition of literally has now changed to make literally mean figuratively apparently? No. Yeah, no, I swear to god. Where did you hear that? I heard it on a podcast. You're full of shit. I'm not full of Blink me right now. Yes, the fourth definition of literally, the fourth definition of literally now in, on dictionary.com is in effect, in substance, very nearly virtually. That is the fourth definition now. And virtually is not the same thing as exactly, which is what literally is. That is one of the worst things I've ever heard. Isn't that ridiculous? So, it's dumb. It's dumb. And, and it's just, the, it's the dumbing down of language. We've dumbed down language. I literally think that we dumbed down language. And now the thing is, is you can't use it improperly anymore, right? Like, there's no improper way to use literally. Because literally can mean both literally and figuratively now. I... I'm moving to Canada. No, it's not just dictionary.com. It is the it is the language of English. No. Yes. The language has decided. So people can still misuse it. Because it means very nearly. Right. I mean if you're just completely incorrect with if you're literally the opposite of what you're trying to the point you're trying I mean, to prove. Like that basketball player was literally on fire during that game. Unless it was like 115 degrees. And you saw smoke billowing out of that person's like uh, shirt or something. What if there was? What if there was uh, like a a nondescript? Like you couldn't tell just how much friction was being generated between the basketball player's thighs as he ran down the court. But there might have been a fire that could have started in that basketball player's pants. Okay. I don't watch a lot of basketball, but you do. I do. Has a basketball player literally caught on fire? Uh, ever. Well, using the new definition. Okay, but... I'm very, very nearly. Has has flame burst forth from the bowels of a basketball player? Well, it's funny we're having this discussion because, uh, because of NBA Jam, the words on fire can now also be used to mean a basketball player that... Is performing very well. Look at bad example: hockey so, being on fire. How's that? Nobody says that though. Well, nobody you, ever misuses that. How much hockey do you watch? All of it. No, I watch all the hockey. What is your favorite team? False, not a team. No, it's a team. It's a team. Uh, it was stuck in my mouth. The Blues. You know, it was stuck in my the mouth. San Andreas Blues. Oh. Oh no, I'm sorry. San Dimas. The San Dimas Blues. I'm sorry. The San Dimas. Uh, Wild Stallions. They're literally the best hockey team. I can't believe that literally is literally not literally, literally anymore. I know. It's it's really sad. It's pretty rough. Um. So hey, listener, like I was saying, listener, like I if, was saying, if I, I was going to say it first, if I can call you that, I will call you that, listener. Or are we talking to the listener? I'm talking to you, listener. What are you going to oh. do about it? So. You are listening to, as you can probably tell by now, a video game podcast called Unqualified, a video game podcast. Because we've we, talked about video games. Where we talk about nothing but video games. Nothing ever but video games. Not even video a games, word. No, not a word. We literally don't talk about anything but video games. And I used literally correctly in that particular sense. Okay. No, really, I did. I do not want to even delve into that. I still don't believe you. I just looked it up. I just looked it up. Check your cookies. Someone hacked it. Nobody hacked my cookies. Is dictionary.com run by Wikipedia writers now? WikiLeaks? So anyway, as you can tell, you found your way to a video game podcast where we talk about nothing, literally nothing but video games. Yeah, I'm Cody. Uh, And I'm Jonathan. Again with the Jonathan. Do we have to do this again? No, all right. I'm John. Whatever. I'm not going to call you Jonathan. That's fine. I guess people can call you Jonathan on our Google Plus page. 
at plus.google.com slash 013-489-7666-37489. I think that's our URL. It's really impressive you had that memorized. <laughs> I don't. I don't. So, I, someone's going to type it in, though, because it's the internet, and they're going to come to some, like, I don't know. It's going to be a porn site, because that's, like, 95% of the internet. Yeah. Uh, so, how was your weekend? Well, actually, I know how your weekend was, because... I actually got to see you this weekend. Because we literally physically saw each other, which I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was weird. It was kind of weird. You, you're, uh, you're uglier than I remember. You are. You have been working out. You've been hitting a gym, brah. I have no gym. You've been hitting been, a gym. I'm hitting a gym. I haven't. I told you I, I told you I bike. You don't, I bike while I game. It's perfect. So John, quote unquote, a thin, has been uh, hitting the weights. He can now bench press over 437 pounds. Yeah, and that's really impressive because I only weigh like 185. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Uh, what else happened? But we saw each other. We didn't actually see why we saw each other, but we did see each other uh, at a a gaming convention. But not video gaming, so we're literally not allowed to talk about it on this episode. There was video gaming there. You you were almost the world WWE No Mercy champion. You know, I'm going to go with WWF No Mercy because that's still what it was called back when that game came out. I was I was in the finals for two video game tournaments. Two. Okay. So let's take a step back here because uh, our our listener who was probably there with us doesn't know what Gen Con is. Gen Con so, is the best four days in gaming, John. It is. That's what they tout themselves as. And, I, you know, I, I can agree with that. They're on I tout? Don't, I don't have another four days of gaming I can think that are better. No. Like, it's, consecutive days, anyway. It's been my favorite four days of the year. For at least five years. For many years, I agree. It uh, it's pretty awesome. So what it is is it's a convention that's held every year. The main it's got it's got a few different uh, like splinter conventions over the course of the year in other places, but the main one is in the Midwest in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, everybody like the the most popular city to be in in the United States. Is it? Nope. Um, okay. So it's in Indianapolis. Uh, and it takes place from a Thursday to a Sunday. And like you had mentioned, it's not exactly video games typically, right? I mean, I didn't play any video games when I was there, uh, well, except it, for games on my iPad. Right, well, it's sponsored by Wizards of the Coast, the publisher of Dungeons & Dragons and Magic Cards. If that gives you some idea of what types of things you'll encounter there. So it's a lot of board games, a lot of role-playing games, um, just tabletop stuff in general. Yeah. Uh, collectible card games, all that kind of stuff. It's really great. And it is so interesting to me to see how diverse of a hobby tabletop-ish games are. And then to a to a great to another extent video games as well because you I think you can extend extend that hobby just to games in general, right? What kind of diversity did, are you uh, are you speaking of specifically? So there are people that will go to Gen Con, again, four days in gaming, where you can literally play any game in the world. And I'm using that correctly because that, it's not every game. It's almost every game, but that's still okay. Um, and you can find people that will go there. Uh, take, take a miniature game, for example, called Hero Clicks, right? It's, yeah, it's a it's a game where you play superhero like superhero miniatures on giant maps. You pit different superheroes against each other, collectible miniature that kind of thing. They have these tournaments that go on for four days at Gen Con, and so there are people that go to Gen Con and and will just play Hero Clicks for four days, and that is their Gen Con experience, and that is what they love. Like that is what they go there for. That's what they want to do, um, but. You can walk five feet and find somebody playing a board game published by Fantasy Flight Board Games, for instance. So, like, it's like there's so, those are two very di- very different types of games to play. Um, or, or you can ha- you can see people playing like in a chess tournament there or a Scrabble tournament. They have chess uh, tournaments. Yeah. How did I not know that? Yeah. So they just have like the most. They just have like the the largest diversity i think of different types of games that you can take part in oh diversity of game it's not of gamers well no of people i would say of people too there's um, to a degree i mean i've been to a couple other uh 
so let's face it, comic book conventions, gaming conventions, video game conventions, and anime conventions generally attract the same vendors, many of the same vendors, and uh, a lot of the same people. But I would say that, like, ASIN, Anime Central, I've been to that. That's anime-focused. I saw a lot more, um, I would say, racial diversity. I, I, guess I, I guess I'm talking more about diversity within the stereotypical male gamer that goes there. Is what I was trying to say. Sure, not gotcha. so much, not so much like diversity in the mass, the masses that go to places, right? So, but just there are people, there are people that like such different things and go to conventions like this for such different things, and they can all come to this common place and share their love of that, of that thing, and they can coexist together. Um, and they can have a great time together, and it's just, it's cool. It's an awesome thing to be part of. In harmony. It's not a song. It's not. It's not. Good catch. Good catch, John. Yeah, and I thought it was great. I had Quote, a, unquote, a thin. I had a fantastic time. I did as well, and the video game component of that is the eGames Arena, where you can play video games, and they have tournaments. And I they en- do. I entered two this year. They do, and it's kind of a cool place because you go in and and rather than like rather than it being and again this convention's not really about video games at all. This e games arena is a new thing, but you know, the games that people are playing a lot of are like in multiplayer are Call of Duty, Halo, and those things are there. Uh but they also have TVs set up with like Super Smash Brothers Melee, Super Smash Brothers sixty four, Goldeneye was there. I mean just these other random games that Hell, I couldn't play those right now if I wanted to because I don't have access to my 64. Right. So, like, you could just go there and sit down and, and bullshit with some friends for a while. Yeah, I I hang out at the E-Games Arena quite often. They had a uh, – when we were there, we had a – they had some kind of Mike Tyson's punch-out tournament. It was beat the clock against Glass Joe, right? Right. So who can beat Glass Joe the fastest? Right. And a couple people were unable to defeat him in the first round – and it was I, kind of pathetic. I wanted to take my friend's WWE championship belt replica and smash it in their faces, like many wrestlers have done with the real title belt over the years to interfere in matches. But it would have been it, it would have been a fake smash, and he wouldn't have actually done anything. Well, but it would have been a, for me. It would have been a real smash with a fake belt, as opposed to in the WWE where it's a fake smash with a real belt. Right. Okay. Are I you picking up what I'm throwing down? I'm picking up what I'm. I am dipping in the mustard so I can catch up. That sounds like a gross sexual reference. It's not. Thank God. It might be. Oh um, boy. Yeah, I, and you may have missed it, but they and on that same screen they were also doing a. Uh, they did like a Mega Man run where somebody had to play through certain stages of Mega Man without dying. So that was happening at one point, too. Certain state... What stage of Mega Man do you die in? I don't know. Like, in what Mega Man stage does anyone ever die other than Heat Man stage if they don't have the uh, the jetpack thing? I fucking hate that stage. Everyone uh, hates that stage. But it's still pretty good. That's still an awesome game. So, like, that was going on there. But you took part in a huge... The world championship tournament i don't think there are any other ones ever held so this is this is the world championship tournament of wwf uh, no wwf no mercy god i hope there aren't any other tournaments yeah did you know how many people entered right uh, uh three thousand about three thousand uh close you're a little over okay try uh, uh go try again Twenty five hundred. Mm, you know you're you're still overshooting it just a bit. Okay, I don't know how many. All right, try five. So there are five. Okay, so I was a little off. There were like five. I mean, contenders. Yeah, just but 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 hey, they were good contenders. So the way it worked was, I got to buy my first round, which is a joke because I knew I was going to win anyway. So right, uh, I mean, you deserved that buy. Right, uh, and then my friend, our friend Brad just dominated his opponent. He beat him in like two minutes. He he just like destroyed him. And afterwards he just, he felt so bad. He won that badly. He's just like, I'm sorry. Like, cause he didn't even think he was going to get the three counts. 
So that happened. And then this other guy won. And then for the last match, we talked about it. And this other guy was like, hey, there's three of us left. We should have a triple threat match. And I, I may or may not have been slightly intoxicated at this point. Okay. Because this tournament took place at midnight on Saturday night at the convention. Uh, And I, in all of my uh, geniusness, declared triumphantly, that's fine, we can have a triple threat match, but it's going to be a ladder match. So I made it a triple threat ladder match. So you did a triple threat ladder match. Yeah. All right. So for those unawares, because I know, listener, you're probably a huge wrestling fan like the rest of us, but in case you don't know... A ladder match is where you have to climb a ladder in the middle of the ring and grab a belt suspended from the rafters or whatever, okay? So that's a ladder match, and whoever grabs the belt... So you literally have to take the championship. You have to literally take the championship, right? So in order to do that, you have to set up the ladder, and you have to climb the ladder, and you climb the ladder very slowly, and when you get to the top of the ladder, you have to mash buttons for about 5 to 10 seconds in real time, and then you grab the belt, and then you win. So this is slightly problematic because any running attack on the ladder knocks it down. So you're against two other people, and if you start climbing that ladder, any one of those two people simply needs to get in the ring and attack the ladder once in a, again, 10 to 15 second time frame in order to stop your attempt, right? Okay. This means that the match pretty much probably would have never ended if I had not taken action. Uh, Because there was just no way to do it. So my friend and I are duking it out. We were both playing as The Rock, and the other guy was playing as Mankind. And uh, he runs in, and his strategy about two minutes into the match became... Uh, there's one type of grapple in the game that's not reversible. You cannot reverse these this set of moves. It's just an automatic uh, attack for the opponent. He would go in and do an unreversible grapple, like scoop slam you or something, and then immediately run out of the ring and just stand outside the ring. Like a real wrestling match. Uh, no. Like a match of Smash Brothers where one person just stays away from the other three people so that no one never kills him. You know games like that, where you're playing multiplayer and one person just keeps away or hides so you can't actually kill them? Well, yeah, I mean, that seems like good tactics. No, it seems like really cheesy and horrible. Sure, sure. Good, solid tactics. So the match went on for over 15 minutes, real time, and uh, I actually rock-bottomed the other rock, and it knocked him unconscious. Now, when you knock another wrestler unconscious, they're down for over a minute straight. How do you know if a wrestler gets knocked unconscious? Uh, you can tell. Uh, there's a bar. There's a bar. It's, okay. It says, like, losing it in purple in his flashing, uh, and they can't move. Uh, of course, like in real wrestling. Like in real wrestling, right. Uh, so, actually, one of the spectators is very impressed that the game so accurately uh, portrays wrestling because the wrestlers stay down for so long, take such an inordinate amount of time to climb the ladders, things like that. So, uh... So I, I keep doing this, and, and every time I would, I, you know, I literally knocked out the other rock, and then Mankind comes in, does his move, and runs away. I'm like, this is not going anywhere. This is never going to end. So I try to knock out Mankind, right? Every opportunity, I put him in a hold, and then finally I got him in a hold in the middle of the ring while the other rock was climbing the ladder. So I'm like, I have two options. First option is I can let go of the hold, and then I can run into the ladder, knock the guy off, and then, you know, try and get Mankind some more, okay? This is 22 minutes into the match, by the way. 22. Or my other option is keep him in the hold as long as possible, hope that he, like, taps out or something, which also knocks him unconscious, and then knock the rock off the ladder, and if I have time, and then climb the ladder. Well, I tried option two. I released the hold, but by the time I got to the ladder to knock him off, the rock grabbed the championship and won. But I was in one of those positions where it was like, this could literally go on for another 45 minutes, or I could just keep the hold, and if he wins, he wins. This sounds like the worst use of your time ever. Incorrect, because it was some of the most fun I've had playing any video game in several months. So, uh, so we'll we'll take it back, and we'll stop talking about wrestling, uh, because I don't really want to talk about wrestling anymore. But just on the. Uh, on the subject of retro games in general, specifically from the Nintendo 64 era, 
my God, are those games hard to look at now. Like, Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games, I think with the sprite-based, pixelated artwork that there was there, that holds up. Uh, just because they're... It's almost, it's almost like a specific art style, right? I have literally but said this in an episode before. Chunky, sh**, 3D models. I think I used the adjective sh** there. They look sh**. They just look ter- like they look terrible. It was hard to watch. I have told it's you, hard to Final watch. Fantasy VI looks better than Final Fantasy VII. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. We have definitely ever. had this conversation. No, I am bringing it up for the first time. Me and me alone. That is literally not accurate. Okay, so the point is, is like I could watch it. I maybe I could have played it and enjoyed it, but I watched you, and I could only watch it for about a minute and a half before I had to get out of the room, uh, because it. It looked that bad. So, uh, but good on you for having so much fun. I'm sure it was much more fun to play than it was to watch. It is a fun game to play. And I mentioned this in one of our most recent episodes. It is one of the, I mean, it's probably the best wrestling game ever made. So I'm glad I got to play in it. But the other uh, tournament I played was Smash Brothers Impossible, which was a uh, gimmick Smash Brothers tournament. So it was a Smash Brothers Brawl tournament but before every match, they would roll a 20-sided die and give you a stipulation for the match. And I got to the finals of that as well. Did you witness any of that tournament? Uh, I did not. Lots of dice at Gen Con, though, so that makes sense. Does make sense. Uh, were you? Did I tell you about any of the stipulations that happened? I did hear some stipulations. Okay. Because I can't remember any of them right now. Okay. So, for instance, one, you would have your opponent pick for you, pick your character for you. Right. I think your the one that you were the most pissed off about was the Waddle D challenge. Oh god. Which was both players have to pick King DDD and they have to only they can only use Waddle D's in the match, right? I did not actually have to play in one where you can only use Waddle D's. But I, that was a stipulation. That was a stipulation for another match. I had to play in the one where you both had to play as DDD. And at any point in the match, you could say the phrase, like, waddle diddly do, or something weird like that, and the opponent had to literally just walk off the stage and die, like, kill themselves. Like in real wrestling. Yeah, it was weird. Um, my first match, my opponent got the two-face stipulation, which is the moderator flipped a coin, and he had to call heads or tails, and if he called wrong, he automatically lost the first of our three matches, which he Great. lost. He was pissed about that. Uh, I had to play with a jumping stipulation. Uh, it was the crisscross stipulation. So every time my character jumped, I had to physically jump. So I played that one standing up. Uh, there was another stipulation. Another pair had to do the Magikarp stipulation, where every it was uh, the items were on high, but the only item turned on was Pokeballs. And if you threw a Magikarp, you had to literally get on the floor and start floundering around and act like Magikarp. Like a real wrestling. For five seconds. Uh, so there were some weird ones. And I, I won a match quite handily because my opponent in one other match got the stipulation that he had to play as Captain Falcon. And the only move he was allowed to use was Falcon Punch. That seems like a really hard way to win a match. Seems like a pretty hard way to win a match, uh, especially when I chose Marth. He did kill me once, though, and he said he considered that a win for him. So I, he was very good-spirited about it. Here's what I want to talk about. The guy that lost the two-face flip in the first match was livid when he lost his his, his reset with me. He was super pissed. He's, he's like, okay, he storms off. And I'm just like, this is not a real tournament. And... And let's be honest, even if it was a real tournament, even if it was the world championship, it's still Smash Brothers. Well, no, because the world championship, you get money. So that I can get. Oh, okay. I mean, if you get money, that's one thing. Right. But I, I just, I don't understand people that get butthurt over stuff that is, like, I, I went into the tournament thinking to myself, I cannot take this seriously. Because if I do, I'll just get mad. And because anything could happen. And in the last round, I mean, th- we got to pick our opponent's characters. I picked Sonic for my opponent, and he picked Wario for me. And I hate Wario. But I wasn't, like, pissed. I was just like, well, this isn't going to be as fun. I mean, it wasn't as fun. And then when I lost, it was even less fun. But it, it wasn't like, 
or my skills as a Smash Brothers player have been violated. They were kind of violated. I have paid the iron price. You know, I didn't feel that way. Especially since I wasn't killed on a boat. You're also not a Greyjoy. There's that. Um, and point, have you ever played in a video game tournament? Have I? You know, if I did, I don't remember. Um, it certainly is not what I go to Gen Con for, but I would never criticize people for going to Gen Con and taking part in those. Because, uh, again, it's a place that people go for all different reasons to play all sorts of different games. So I think it's pretty cool that they have that there now. I think it's great, and I would never criticize people for going to play them, but I will openly and loudly criticize people for going and taking it too seriously. Yep. So there's that. Yeah, because anyway. nothing at Gen Con can be done for money. It's just part of the part of the rules of the con. So Yeah, yeah. Because um, they did have a poker tournament one year. Did you play in that? Um no. I did not, but I did know people that did. Yeah, I did. And they had to get a they had to get a, they had to do away with that. Yeah, immediately because they realized it violated gambling laws or something. Exactly. Yeah. They were like, whoops. But uh but Gen Con transitioning into this podcast so that we can talk about real video games. I actually cosplayed this year as a video game character. You did, and your your costume was I thought very good. Thank there you. There are pictures of it up on our Google Plus site. I've posted them on a couple groups. I'll add some more to our Google Plus page, and I'll probably throw some on Tumblr as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, I went as Booker DeWitt from Bioshock Infinite, and uh, my girlfriend went as Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite, and I thought I thought we looked good. Um, yeah, again, you mentioned this in a last in a previous episode. Uh, not a super difficult costume to put together because I didn't have to like sew anything or tailor anything. Sure. But finding this stuff, you know, it's you get to a point where you want everything to be as accurate as possible, and looking for the stuff that perfectly matches the the uh, the concept art and things like that. God, that gets to be it gets to be almost burdensome after a point. Yeah. The so the 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 weird thing, and it wasn't weird when I saw the costume, but when I saw you, I was like, "That's a cool costume," and you know, that's Booker DeWitt, and I realized. I have no clue what Booker DeWitt actually looks like because you get <laughs> you get a single frame of his face at the beginning of Bioshock Infinite when he looks into that pool and in that pool of baptismal water. Yeah. And that is all you get and you, it that's like a distorted view of his face. So the the only way you could have found guidance for this costume would have had to have be from concept art, is that correct? Um well, it's funny. None of the concept art is consistent. If you Google images of Booker DeWitt, they're, they'll come up with four or five images, and none of them look alike, uh, including the cover. So I went with the cover of the game. Sure. Because that one is the one that the people know the most, obviously. So and I, you do own that giant shotgun. I didn't own the giant shotgun, no. I had to buy the Skyhook from GameStop. Um, but that's the other thing. It gets to be expensive because I could have bought a holster that looked just like Booker's, but it would have been $130 because that's how much leather holsters cost. So instead I ended up spending like, uh, I think I found one for 70 or 80. Um, but it can get, it can get pricey to be very, very, uh, you know, specific about that stuff. Sure. So I don't know. And of course my girlfriend had to sew her costume. So that sucks. But that does bring us to something we've been holding off on and promising forever. Have we been promising it forever? We've been promising it at least twice, and I think that twice literally means forever. Oh, I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the Bioshock Infinite ending. We did both play that game through to completion. We did, we did. And now we're ready to discuss the ending. Um, But I guess... Is there any game you want to talk about first? Because so, we'll, we'll save the Bioshock Infinite ending discussion for at the end of the podcast so that if you don't want any spoilers, you can just turn it off. So I want to hear if you have anything you want to talk about first before we delve into that. I do, actually. I've been playing a game, uh, I've been playing a game that I picked up during the Steam summer sale and held off on playing it for no reason in particular, just because I bought lots of games and was in the middle of other games. And I finally started playing it. It's called... Rogue Legacy? Rogue Legacy. Is that like Rogue Squadron? No. Is this a Star Wars game? Do you know what a roguelike is? Uh, yes, Azure Dreams. Okay, yeah, I think we've discussed uh, roguelikes on this... Binding of Isaac? We've discussed roguelikes on this program before, so I won't dwell on it too much. Basically... Am I, am I right? Uh, yes. 
So Ezra Dreams and Binding of Isaac. Right. So basic, okay. basically the idea of a roguelike is you start a new dungeon every time you enter the dungeon of these roguelikes, um, typically with zero equipment. And you go through the dungeon, you get as far as you can. When you die, you lose everything, and then you start over from the beginning. That is so either you reach the end or you're done. That's that is the standard roguelike formula. Or minimal equipment. Limited. Because as your dreams you could bring stuff in, right? Sure. And so that that was like the original roguelike. Well I don't think there's been a, a game that has followed that exact formula anymore. Um but the new the new roguelike formula is is basically they they will randomize a dungeon for you and then you will get to progressively slowly make your character better to make yourself get further and further. So Rogue Legacy is a 2D platformer, uh, super hard platformer. Um, so it's got really precise controls, but like you know you'll enter rooms where there's spikes everywhere. Um, so it's it's got very tight, very precise controls, uh, but it's very punishing and difficulty especially from the start um it starts off you are a member of this uh noble family and you are entering this castle to destroy evil dark overlord and get lots of treasure um and your character goes through as far as it'll go and then eventually you will die because you will die often um and when your character dies the game starts and from that point on, every time you die, you take on the role of the next of kin in your family. And you have your choice every time you die of one of three different heirs. And and this is this is the reason why the game is so freaking cool. Um, there's about ten different character classes that you unlock throughout the course of the game. And you have three different heirs to choose from. And the heirs are randomly generated. So they're either male or female, which doesn't matter. Um, and then they have, they're one of these 10 different classes, which all play very differently. I mean, they they play the same in the sense that you are running and jumping and platforming and always swinging a sword. Different in the sense that, like, there's one that has multiple magic spells you can use. There's one that regenerates uh, MP every time you hit something. Um, that kind of thing. So, So I guess not very differently, but they all have definite differences between the classes sure. and then they all have a variety of traits. Now these traits are randomly generated and can be both good and bad. Most of the time when you first see them, you don't really know what they do. So I'll give you an example. So one of the character traits is like ex- exaggerator, right? Sure. And the description on it is you have the you have the tendency to exaggerate things, and so like the size of your d- and so you say that your d- is huge. Okay. In the game, which doesn't actually affect anything. No. So what'll happen is you'll like you'll get hit by something and normal damage will be like twenty five, um, and you'll and there's like a health bar with a very specific amount of health, like a hundred and fifty, um, which changes as you progress your character, that kind of thing, but. When you're when you have that trait, you'll get hit by something, and your health bar will go down twenty five points of damage, but the damage on the screen will be forty three thousand, <laughs> which is great, right? I mean that kind of thing is great. Um, there's also one where it's like you feel no pain, and in that one you don't get to see your health bar. Oh, yeah, right. So those are some like the that exaggeration trait that kind of doesn't mean anything. Um, the health bar one, that is a definite negative effect. There'll be another one where it's like dyslexia and all of the text in the game is all like backwards <laughs> or, or letters are flipped at different texts of the game. S- some of the cooler ones are, there's one like nearsightedness where everything far away from your character is clear on the screen, but everything close to your character is very blurry. Now you can still kind of make out where projectiles and stuff are coming, but it's just blurry and then farsightedness is the opposite of that. Huh. Yeah. And so they're just little tweaks to your gameplay. There's one where there's one like ADHD where your character runs faster because he can't concentrate on anything. So just just cool stuff. There's some really really cool traits and there are so many different traits that 
it feels like I got a diff like I really did get like a different character every time I played the game. But again, it's just to- a totally randomly generated set of three kids that you can choose from. And so every time you're going into this dungeon, you get a completely different play experience because of that. The other thing that you're doing is you're going in and you're accumulating as much gold as possible. Um, when you when you die, you keep all of this gold. However, when you go back into the castle, the tax for going into the castle that you have to pay death, basically, is all of your gold. Mm-hmm. So between rounds, between runs of going into this dungeon, you have to spend all your gold on stuff. Well, there's a variety of things you can spend your gold on. So the most basic thing is there's a blacksmith, and the blacksmith has different pieces of equipment. You know, you've got a sword, a helmet, armor, boots, and and arm plates. And you unlock these throughout the dungeon by randomly finding treasure chests that have blueprints in them. And then once you unlock the blueprint, you can pay a certain amount of gold to unlock that piece of equipment. So you can kit out your characters. There's like 25 of each of those different equipments in, in the game. So you can kit out your characters then, um, as you unlock stuff, uh, with their equipment. The next character is the rune master and the rune master has different, runes for each piece of equipment so each piece of equipment can have one rune on it an example of a rune would be like vampiric and it makes it so that you have an attribute like plus one vampirism and what that means is every time you kill an enemy you regain two health and that stacks together so if you've got like vampirism on two pieces of equipment and you have two pieces of equipment with runes for that are vampirism vampirism on them you'll get back eight health per kill which is really good um so there's a lot of customization involved with that. Again, there's like 20 different runes for every piece of equipment to change the, the style of the game. And those are unlocked throughout the course of the game by opening fairy chests. There's, there's special kind of chests in the game where you have to fulfill a certain condition when you enter the room in order to open the chest. If you fail that objective, you just don't get the chest, period, on that run. Um, and then... And there will also be some runes that fundamentally change the way you you can like move around. Like one chest or one rune will let you double jump, and then if you stack those runes on pieces of equipment, you can continually jump more. So you can like triple and quadruple jump, which is really convenient for some of the rooms in the in the, the dungeon. And the other cool thing is there are rooms um, where like there'll be a, there'll be a room for a fairy chest where the rule will be no jumping, and then it'll just be spikes all over. And there's a there's all there's also a rune that'll let you fly, and basically it makes you float when you hold down the jump button when you're falling. So that that is the only way to get that fairy chest. Now you would never know that that room is going to be in the dungeon unless you just wouldn't know that. So you sometimes there's a, there's luck involved in finding the right room and having the right rune combination. But that's a very standard. That's a, like a very standard. Um, component of a roguelike game yeah that, like sometimes there is just luck involved when you play roguelikes and then the like the deepest part of the stuff you can spend your gold on is the castle that you're building and so this is the castle that your house lives in um there's about 25 ish different nodes that you can level up these level ups include like access to new classes like you don't have certain classes unlocked until you build this certain part of your castle. Um, Health up, mana up, or like MP up, magic damage, attack damage. Each of those have 75 ranks Mm. of level that they can have. So like, and, and I am at the end of the game. And just to give you an example, I have about, I don't know, maybe 20 ranks of all of them. And there are 75 ranks to give you like the amount, the level of depth and length that you could play this game. To give you an idea of how bad you are at the game. Right, right. Uh, or good I am, because I only have 20 ranks in each and I'm at the end of the game. Oh, ha 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 So, and, and the, the coolest thing about the castle is that you, the castle starts with like six or seven different places you can put money, and you don't know what is going to unlock when you put money in any of these places, like another piece of the castle will be built. It'll open access to other upgrades. So there's, there's this great discovery of upgrading your castle 
and then seeing what pops up and being like, oh my God, that sounds awesome. Like I need to put a point in that. Um, and then that may unlock some other type of thing. So there's, you know, if you don't look at any guides or anything, it's awesome to see that there's a, a there's a good sense of progression and discovery in there. Um, you can also pay money to an architect that that makes it so that you gain less money in there, but the castle will never change configuration. Um, I will admit I have never used that. Like I've never used it in the game. I've never had a, had a reason to. Um, I feel like that would defeat the purpose of the roguelike, wouldn't it? Well, it would, except that, again, the game is very hard. And if you are trying to beat a boss, it if you want to get to that boss, like, right away, um, and, and, try to, and not lose health on the way, and not lose MP on the way, and just, like, get to the boss and fight it, then that is a good thing to do. That would be a reason why you would use that, right? Yeah. Um, because the way, that, the way it's set up is you've got a like an entry area. And then on the east side of the castle, there will always be, and you don't know exactly where it is, but there will always be the forest on the east side of the castle. North of the castle, there's always going to be like the attic area. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It's called like the miasma or something, but it's like, a, it's this one specific area. And then on the bottom of the castle, there's always going to be the dungeons. Now there's a boss in each of these areas that you have to kill. Once you've killed the boss, you get some permanent upgrades and then you can never kill the boss again. So that door is shut and you have to kill each of the bosses before you can unlock the last boss. Um, and, and there's a very definite sense of progression in the castle. Like you start off in this one, in this starting area. And if you go into the forest, uh, the monsters there are 15 to 20 levels higher than you start. So you go in there and you're dead in, in two hits. Um, so it's just, it's not a place that you could go unless you are perfect at the game and never got hit, which is very difficult. Um, uh, so there, there's just, there's so much game there and it's just really fun. It's really, really fun. And you never feel like the, the cool part, one of the frustrating part about, parts about roguelikes is that you could find an awesome kit, you could get somewhere where you just like can't progress and you die and you lose all of that. But in this game, with the way that the, the upgrade system works in between levels, you always feel like you're making progression because it's like, oh, shit, I died. However, I left with 25,000 gold. Now I can buy 10 levels worth of upgrades. And then when I go back in, I may start with like nothing right i may start with with nothing when i when i enter the dungeon but my character is going to be much stronger um and there's no there's nothing you find in the middle of your runs that make you better so like you don't really end stronger than when you started you just go until you die um so you will always get a lot of gold right you will always be and and so you will always be stronger consecutive times that you enter the dungeon unless you don't make enough gold to buy a single upgrade, which I had done before. I did that a couple times. Mm. Um, so, but the game is just, it's really, really good. And I've probably put, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 hours into it. It's not expensive. Um, and it's been really fun to play. Like every time it was a game where I was like, I want to do another run. Like I want to do another run of this game. And it was, it was the type of game where I started it. And when I started, I was like, I'm just going to see what this game's about. And then it was two in the morning. Um, so I, I really, I can't recommend it enough. I really can't. It's and it's called Rogue what? Rogue Squadron? Rogue Legacy. I was close. And it's actually got a, it's got, it does have a story in it that's all done by journal entries that you find throughout. And they're, and the cool thing is they're all written by your heirs. Um, so there's just, there's kind of a cool component there. And I, from what it seemed like you can't you can't get the next journal entry until your heir dies because that heir is the one that is writing the journal entry so that's kind of so cool. it's written oh it's just, okay interesting so uh, when you talk about this you're like sky scrolling it takes place in a castle i'm picturing castlevania symphony of the night in my mind very similar place is it okay yeah very very similar uh except that it's got all these really random elements to it and fewer undead creatures, or just as many? No, there's a lot of undead creatures. That's like a... Come on. Standard fantasy tropes. Like, uh, really good, though. It really is. It's really, really good game. 
Um, and I was surprised at how good it was. I really was. Cool. Uh, it sounds it sounds solid. I may actually check it out. And you can you, what kind of price are we talking on Steam here? Um, I think you can probably get it for eleven bucks. Ooh, I think. that's more than a dollar fifty. So I'm gonna have to pass for now. But when it goes on yeah, sale, but don't, don't worry, it'll go on sale for eighty five percent off at the next Steam holiday sale, and then you can get it for that. Oh, I will. I don't yeah. pay a lot of money for games if I don't have to. Yeah, and that's what makes Steam so great, right? We've talked about it is. that. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. I do. I love side scrollers. I I love them. Love them. Yeah, they're. They're really good, and there's been like kind of a resurgence with the new, with like the the return to retro style graphics. There's been this resurgence in the side scroller genre, um, so that's really fun. That's really fun. Yeah, I agree. But now we have to fast forward to the three dimensional realm and talk about the future of video gaming. Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah. Which we've t- well, we talked about it before. Uh, it's a good game. So we both liked it. I think it, I think at the time it raised the bar for both of us. I think it since did. then uh, I have since played The Last of Us, and that has further raised the bar for me. You have not played that game, so I will continue to chastise you until you do so. I haven't, and but the thing is, is uh, as as the past I would say two three years of gaming have gone on, I've I've really gotten involved with some of the smaller titles and i have been having so much fun with this this indie push that's happening right now like there are so many games in this 15 dollar price range that are awesome no they are they are that are really good but you own the last of us i do so you have no financial excuse that's true and i i agree about the indie games i just just earlier Literally earlier today, I finished To the Moon, which I'll review. Now, is that, f- is that figuratively earlier? No. Fig- literally, I actually literally, literally beat it earlier today. Could you say literally, literally now? Yeah. Well, you have to now. Okay. God. Okay. So you literally finished uh, To the Moon earlier today. Yeah, which I'll talk about not in this episode because we're going to do Bioshock right now. But it was really right. good. It was an indie game, and I liked it. So there you go. Yeah, and you probably got it for three bucks. Uh, two. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So. Um, so, but yeah, I've just been getting involved with that. But Bioshock Infinite is one of the AAA games that I honestly had the most fun with that I can maybe ever remember. Um, like, I loved it when I was playing it. I loved it as well. Um, and then the ending happened. It did happen. So, and- listener... Now we're going to start the spoilers, so if you've not finished Bioshock Infinite and you don't want the ending ruined, well, first of all, why haven't you finished it by now? I will literally lend it to you if you want to borrow it on Xbox 360. Or no, no, PS... Well, wait, what are, uh, PS3. I put it on PS3. Okay. So there It you doesn't go. matter. Uh, but yeah, so, so what about the ending? First of all, did you like the ending? I, Did you understand the I ending? I understand. Uh, to, to a degree. All right. So the ending relies heavily on quantum physics, right? Like most games. Does it? No. Most games do not rely on quantum physics for their endings. Actually, I think there's an episode of Game Theory where they talk about how quantum physics applies to most video games. Okay. This game literally requires quantum physics. Well, of course it does. Um... Game Theory, by the way, YouTube channel. Check it out. It's got some very cool videos about video game theories. Hence the title. I, You and I both, John, learned about quantum physics our junior year of high school. Did we? Uh, yeah. I, don't, ju- I, it was, I probably didn't learn that. Okay, you probably didn't. Well, in English class in junior or senior year, we talked about fractals and quantum physics. Yep. So... I've been aware of this for 15 years, or well, mm-hmm. no, 11, 12 years. So um, to me, I feel, I felt like the ending was, here's the twist, quantum physics, your mind is blown. And to me, my mind wasn't blown because I was already aware of quantum physics. Like for them to say, there are all these different possibilities in different universes, I was like, okay, but it, that in itself wasn't – I didn't tweak out because of that, you know? 
Well, the re- I mean, the revelation that you were that Booker is Comstock, I think, was the twist that they were going for, and that took me by surprise. Um, and it definitely took me, by, it definitely took me by surprise that Elizabeth was your daughter. Didn't expect any of that. Interesting. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't expect any of that. It's odd because I, I feel like I, like I, I obviously I got that part. I figured it out, but I it didn't surprise me for some reason. Uh, I, I mean, I can't speak to why you weren't surprised. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's because you're gaming Jesus. Um, I mean, that's what we call you. Or, or uh, Jesus is what I like to be called. Right. But I was very surprised by all of that. And then the the quantum physics part where there, where you and Elizabeth are moving through these different dimensions and and Booker's just like a, a big dumb moron that like doesn't understand anything and elizabeth is like no 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 i can see all of this stuff um and then you like like you go to rapture uh i mean that stuff was just cool like that i, I mean i really don't know what else to say about it it was it was very cool so your take is it was a cool ending my take is it didn't really blow me away um d- <sighs> yeah i don't know i thought i to me the coolest part of the ending series of events was when you go to the future and meet future Elizabeth who has destroyed uh Paris and New, that, York? Uh, New York New York and that wasn't and that wasn't actually future I mean that wasn't actually what happened that was the future that would have existed had Comstock not drowned in drowned in the baptismal waters at the end of the game well no it did happen no it didn't and that was that is the interesting part of the game so think of the ending right? Like an hourglass shape. So all of these different possibilities exist before Comstock and they all funnel to that moment at the baptismal waters. And once Booker was baptized there, he came out Comstock and then a bunch of futures happened. But that one singular point was that one singular point was the spot where Comstock either was born or was not born. So at the end of the game, by drowning Comstock, none of those futures with Comstock existed. Oh, okay. That's why there were all the different Elizabeths at that one point. That's why they all came in at that one point to drown Booker. Because if he, if Booker drowned there, there would be no Comstock. Sure. So you die at the end of the game. That Booker dies at the end of the game. That's what threw me off a bit, I think. And in retrospect, I, I do remember um, somebody was watching me play the game at the time, and after the ending, uh, she was like, do you want me to explain what happened? And I was like, kind of. And there was some clarification required. So I liked a lot of parts about it, but again, I just, uh, to me... The thing that I liked about the ending was that it wasn't spelled out for you. It wasn't 100% clear. And it prompted a bunch of discussion and exploration outside of the game to figure out what was going on. I think for most people, like at least people that were invested in the story, like I got done with the game and I was like, I think I kind of understand, but there's a, I'm sure there's a ton that I missed and I missed like eight audio logs. Yeah. And I was like, and obviously there's going to be information in those that I didn't get. So I, I pretty immediately, because obviously I couldn't spoil the game for myself anymore, uh, I immediately kind of went to message boards and started reading the discussions about the ending. And there were so many people that were theorizing and hypothesizing about exactly what happened at the ending there. And I just thought that was so cool because it hadn't been – that hadn't happened. I, I can't remember the last time that's happened where there's been that kind of discussion – about a game like that. Final Fantasy VII? Sure, but that was from a horrible translation. Was it? Yeah. That ending was a result of a terrible translation? Yeah. Like, the, a lot of the questions of that game are the result of a bad translation. No. Oh, That's right. not about this, though. Sure. Um, but I just loved reading that, and I spent... I got done playing it, and I remember, like, going upstairs, sitting on the couch, getting on my iPad, and, like, for the next two to three hours, I was just consuming discussion on the ending of Bioshock Infinite. And I just thought that was really cool. It was a really fun way to discover more about the ending to kind of, and like hearing, like watching some of the audio logs that either I 
I listened to but didn't really understand the full extent of them. Uh, or just looking at the audio logs that I missed was just really – it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, that that was the part that I really liked about the ending. I will agree. That's awesome. Um, you'll get a little bit of that with the end of The Last of Us. A little bit, but in a very different way, a different context, by the way, just so you know. But there's definitely discussion to be had at the end of that game. Sure. It helped halfway through that game. Uh, uh, so I think what happened to me was I, I, I was expecting to be blown away by some insane plot twist, and I don't remember why that was in my head. I think maybe because you beat it first and you were raving about it, possibly... Probably no, I I don't know so much about that. Probably because the original Bioshock's plot twist was insane for the time. It set a it set a new precedent for what storytelling in video games could be. The like. Would you kindly plot twist? Yes. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean that was it was seriously. I mean it was it was awesome. It was awesome. So that's probably why. Um, could have been. Because I remember I took the quantum physics part at face value and I was like, oh, well, that wasn't shocking to me because I already kind of like get it. I'm like, okay. I Because like I am been... a physics genius. Because I'm a physics genius and I feel like that's been done before. Maybe not in video games or in movies or some other media I've consumed. Either way, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Um, although that didn't really impress me. And then I think I may not have – I mean I understood the Comstock-Booker connection, but – I think after it was kind of explained to me and I kind of sat back, I was just like, oh, that's it? And I don't know what it was, but um, again, I did like the ending, but something about it just wasn't quite... I don't know. I also don't like killing people. I guess I guess I thought Booker got killed. I guess I thought, I thought the Booker was definitively killed, and that bothered me. I didn't like that I played through a whole story as a protagonist who ends up dying. But you said that was one Booker that dies? Yes. No, he didn't die because at the very, very end of the game, after that sequence, the the, the Booker, the Booker, the Booker, wakes up and goes into Anna's room. You don't see if Anna is there, but you assume that Anna is there in the crib. And that is before Booker is Comstock. That is before the moment in the baptismal fountain where he dies. And why did Booker getting baptized make him Comstock? Because of all of the shit he saw during the war. That's right. Because it basically, that basically changed him. I probably should have brought up this, uh, this topic when it was more fresh in my mind, because clearly some things have fallen through the cracks and you are much more well read on the ending than I am. Oh, I, like I said, I consumed a ton of information about it. I read, I like, I, I thought it was great, and the fact that all that is there, as you can see, is that ending may be a little better thought out than you think it was. Probably, probably. I think I think I missed something there. So now I guess I just have to go back and play through the whole game. I've heard 1999 mode is awesome. Yeah, I started and could not complete it. Why? I am I am not good enough at video games. Oh, is it hard? Yeah, it was tough. It's pretty brutally difficult. Mm. Yeah, I. I have found more recently that I play games almost exclusively for stories a lot of the time now, more than gameplay. Sure, and that's why games like To the Moon are perfect. Yes, which is perfect. Um, I, well, I, I guess I should say either amazing gameplay or an amazing story. I think that the Bioshock Infinite gameplay is not the strongest point of that game. Uh, coming, it's not. Coming from a background uh, as somebody that plays a lot of shooters. So I would say that the story is so... Um, you know, a, a couple of our friends have told me they've played games on their easiest difficulty just because they just want the story. Sure, and I, I wouldn't criticize that. I think that's fine. Sure, yeah. So uh, I will probably play through Bioshock Infinite again on the normal difficulty setting just because, like, easy is too easy, probably. Uh, but I do want to make sure I get all the Vox boxes and all that stuff. Um, but then there are other games like Rogue Legacy that I would love to play because it sounds like it's just hella fun to play yeah and there's no real story there i mean there's just a few like journal entries that give you an idea of what's going on but there's no actual there's no actual story sure and if there was that'd be great but i would just be playing it for a platformer because i love platformers right and it's such solid platforming it's totally worth playing yeah i also downloaded super meat boy on the steam sale and i've heard that's kind of a difficult platformer as well oh we'll have some fun talking about that when you get to it Oh boy, can't wait. Uh, and um, 
Speaking of insanely difficult platformers, on one of the giant projection screens at in the eGames arena at Gen Con, they were playing Candy Crunch? No, no, no. Uh, Candy uh, Crunch. Candy, candy Crunch Saga. Candy Munch. No, Candy Sky Mountain. Munch your candy. Uh, candy Pony... Uh, it's candy, the, candy Pony Mountain. Can, no, it's the the game that's brutally difficult but has a stupidly cute name. Sky Sword. Sug- sky Sugar. Sky, sugar, sugar and Spice. Mountain. And everything nice. Candy. I'm not helping. Candy Unicorn. Uh, Crush Attack. Pinkerton Mines. You know what I'm talking yeah, what, about, right? I I do. I do. And the and I wish we could think of the name of this game because it's got a really cool gag about about the way the the game is generated. Um it's not going to make any sense if we don't know the name of the game though. No, I can't it's give any candy. Con- it's some fucking candy game. Mountain uh, Mountain of Candy? No, it's like a Blue Candy Mountain Blowjob Mountain Dew Incorporated game. Doritos. No, fucking uh uh No, I'm I got this. It's on the tip of my tongue. You just said blowjob. That's not the tip of your tongue. Well, it could be. <laughs> um, so the the gag of that game that we're talking about that we can't remember the name of is that it's a 2D platformer where the levels are randomly generated, but they're generated with an algorithm that makes them so that they are always possible to complete. Wait, what? The levels are randomly generated in that game. I, somebody mentioned that and I didn't believe that. But there's a, there, there's a mathematical algorithm that makes it so the levels can never be impossible because you can imagine a 2d platformer where they could just make a, pl- a ledge too high on accident and then you could just never complete it. But this has a, this game, this mystery game that we're talking about that we cannot remember the name of Cloudberry kingdom, Cloudberry kingdom, crunch blowjob, uh, cloud crotch blowjob, blueberry kingdom balls, right? Hard cloudberry. Cloudberry Kingdom has this mathematical algorithm in it that that just makes it so that it's randomly generated every time, which is really cool. Yeah, it's gonna be hella hard to develop an algorithm for a side scroller. Yeah, and it's just a uh, I don't know. It's just that's literally all it is, just a side scroller, and it's like a score attack thing, right? I don't know. Kind of looked I don't that know, way, but I saw that it looked really hard. I'm never gonna want to play it because I would get mad. We'll see how Super Meat Boy goes. Um, but bringing us back to Bioshock Infinite, uh, I'm glad I could contribute virtually nothing to our discussion of the end of the game, but thank you for clarifying certain points. Yeah, I was expecting it. What is your main takeaway that our listeners should know if they've beaten the game but perhaps should look somewhere for some additional uh, resources or information that could enhance their experience? I don't know. I don't have an, ex- I don't have an exact place to go. Just search the internet for... What? Do you have like a favorite forum for that stuff, or no, not really? Oh wait, Google Plus. Yeah, Google Plus would be a good place to go. Yeah, because Google Plus. You, oh, you know who else has a page on Google Plus, John? Um, podcasts. But well, there was one specific. I think it was unqualified a video game podcast where two bad motherfuckers who have no business talking about video games literally only talk about video games. That's all they talk about. Literally. It's literally all they talk about. Literally all they talk about. So there's that. Yeah. No, so you should check out our Google Plus page. Uh, yeah. Not you. Not you. I'm actually not – so I'm not talking to you. I know. Uh, I'm talking to the listener. But the listener should listen to – should go visit our Google Plus page. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, we just got a tweet. A twat? Somebody twatted us? Somebody twatted us. Uh, someone would like to know if we have talked about the Rise of Triad remake – uh, which we haven't. Um, what is the rise of Triad? I don't know. Well, listener, uh, we will look, look into something that. Something for me to research. Something for John to research. The yeah, rise because of you Triad. you certainly won't won't research that. Yeah, I'm I've not heard gonna of, do it. I've heard of Rise of the Triad, but I don't know what it is. All right, fantastic. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to that later. So, um, yeah, please tweet at us. You can find our Twitter handles of on our Google Plus page. Or on our website, videogamepodcast.tumblr.com. And check us on a Twitch TV. You haven't, you haven't Twitch TV'd lately. I have not. Um, I have been busy. I have been... I've been busy. And there well, was we were both out of, We were both out of town for like a week, so there's yeah. that. Yeah, and, and now you have a setup where you will also be able to use Twitch, so that's going to be kind of fun. 
yes, my PC is now set up. I was having a couple technical issues, and that's why I didn't stream uh, to the moon. It is but not I... intuitive to stream. It takes some it takes some work of setting up some programs, but yeah, you'll get there. I'll help you out. Awesome. So uh, yeah, check us out Twitch TV Twitch TV slash Unqualified Podcast. Yep, and every all of our information on our Google Plus page, and like Cody said on our Twitter handles, you can all find at videogamepodcast.tumblr.com. So our Tumblr page that has links to basically everything else. Yeah, definitely. If you, and if you have friends that like video games, uh, please direct them to us on iTunes. People are looking for podcasts all the time, and they may not know we exist, which is sad because we exist. The other thing that would be awesome would be iTunes reviews. So if you wouldn't mind dropping us an iTunes review, we would appreciate that. Oh, I forgot that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's a good review. Yeah. Because I wouldn't really appreciate it if you if you give us reviews. I would appreciate reviews. It would mean you were listening. That's kind of true. Oh. You could say it's sad but true. That's how you're. That's how you're taking us out. So remember that. Uh, remember that sore throat I had all day. Yeah. Is it because is it because you were singing Metallica in your house or in your apartment by yourself? I think it just came back. Yeah. Yeah, you really f***ed that up. Hey, I made it through the episode.